This episode contains language and content of an explicit nature. Listener discretion is advised. Before a song is released, a record is produced, or a chorus is written, the musicians that write them think a lot. They live a lot, and they feel a lot. Before the chorus dives into the stories and experiences that shape these artists, and ultimately, the music we hear. I'm your host, Sophia Lepercaro, and this episode's guest is Poppy Ajuda. Poppy Ajuda is a London-based solo artist. She has been making a name for herself in the London music scene for years, and in 2022, she has finally released her debut album, The Power in Us. On this record, Poppy fiercely takes on a breadth of social issues, like abortion bans, feminism, immigration bans, mental health, and more. We're going to kind of go track by track on this one. I sort of alternate between grouping songs by themes or going track by track, depending on what I just think fits the album better. And I think for yours, track by track. It'd be interesting to hear that actually from you anyway. (laughs) Okay. With is going together and stuff, it's kind of interesting for me anyway. Yeah. I mean, I definitely feel some links that aren't particularly in order, but for the most part, each song really has its own sort of theme and its own I guess social issue that it's trying to cover so for me again going track by track just feels really right um well we're gonna kind of go right into play god which you know ties into the intro track before it which is whose future our future so first of all both of them um definitely sample some different activists and I was just really curious Mm -hmm. to know who I feel like I heard Angela Davis but I can't tell for sure her voice yeah, is very distinct. She's got a very distinctive voice. Yeah, so it was Angela Davis is kind of the main voice um, that you hear um, from, I think it was at a women's march that um, I, I pulled those samples from. And then there are like the women, that, the Congresswomen that spoke at like the Alabama court hearing, I'm probably using all the wrong terminology, that spoke against the abortion bill that they were trying to pass. And there's like footage of that. And I took those um excerpts that are like you just want to control this is not about religion it's about control and all of these kind of things that felt very relevant to the song and i think originally when i made the song with um the producers i worked with and i worked with another guitarist as well um it didn't have that in it but i was like the song's missing something like it's missing like the context of like what it's about and so then i just spent some time doing like the post-production on it to add these little like like the radio bits in the beginning and like the in the bridge having those speech parts that just I don't know they just bring in like the gravitas of like the issue for me I think it, it was missing a reason to understand why there's so much like anger in the song or so much like anguish or um, energy towards something I feel like those speeches they kind of add the context yeah, I mean, that definitely makes sense because it's, for, I mean, it's the most rock-leaning song on the record, which is definitely not, like, it's not always a place that you venture into, but you've clearly kind of pulled into mm. something new here, and it, I mean, you're right, it is very necessary. I mean, I used to live in Texas, and they were kind of the first in this most recent iteration of, you know, trying to yeah. put new abortion bans in. They passed the heartbeat bill a while back, which was... Yeah, so the Play God came out on the day that I landed in Texas. Oh where, my God. So it was really interesting to be there with my song. And it was just by chance. 
they had come out that day and I'm singing it to, in a place where abortion is illegal. Like it was quite surreal. And I, I spoke about it at the shows. I, I was doing a show a day because I was there for South By. Um, but yeah, it, it was definitely crazy to be in a place where that is a reality for a lot of people and a lot of women who may want an abortion, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And and being compounded with a lot of anti-trans bills, with a lot of stuff against critical race theory. Basically, the governor of Texas is just not a great person. Um, he's which is and it and it's like mad because then I was in Austin where it's just like super liberal and like it didn't feel like any other people there carried that perspective about the world. And I'm sure I'm sure there are, but it, it yeah. But I, I guess for me anyway, it made it made it feel even more important to talk about it because I think often it's easy to shout about things that are controversial with people who agree with you. And as much as it's scary to talk about things that people might not like or agree with, what's the point in talking about them if you're only going to talk about it with people who are, who are going to create an echo chamber? Absolutely. I guess kind of speaking of these uh, literally people in power that are, you know, passing these laws in these southern states. There's a line in the song that I really like that felt quite appropriate, which was, ain't no anarchy in the way they cheat. For me, the way that I read it, and obviously correct me if I'm wrong, it feels like a reminder that, you know, oppression is built into our systems of power. It's not, you know, something that is coming from like a niche or a fringe. It is, it is very much in the places that are again mainstream and governing the way that we live i think that's a great way to articulate that lyric because <laughs> i think sometimes when the, these topics that are so big and vast to put them into a song it almost comes from just like how you feel about it and and i think sometimes it, it's easier in general to take the low road instead of the high road and i think that's also what i'm talking about is that like as you were saying, because it's built into our systems of oppression, it's much easier to go with the narrative than to go against the grain. And there is no fight in that. But I think a lot of people just choose the option that, you know, serves them or doesn't create chaos in the world. But you know, like we we don't get any we don't get any progress without chaos. Yeah, unfortunately that's true. Um and also Speaking, I guess, uh, of progress, another thing that I really like about the song is that it asks men to stand up as well and to be part of the fight. Like, I remember when, um, I, I unfortunately forget her name, but that woman a few months back was kidnapped and killed by a police officer in, in London. Mm -hmm. It was... Uh, Sarah Everard. Thank you, Sarah There's been Everard. a couple, but I think you're talking about Sarah Everard. Yeah, Everard. just because that one sent such a particularly large shockwave you know, across mm -hmm. the UK. And given that I have a lot of friends in the UK, my, my own like social media was flooded with it. And I remember it was a moment of reckoning for a lot of men, particularly. I mean, you know, there should have been about 8,000 more reckonings before that, but this one for some reason struck a chord. And I, I feel like I particularly remember seeing women be like, we're tired of carrying this on our own backs. Like we've done everything that you've told us to do to protect ourselves and it's clearly not enough. So boys, we need you to sort your shit out and Yeah, I think help. what's really interesting for me about that dynamic in general of like men being engaged in feminism is that I think when you're surrounded by liberal young people who 
understand or have grown up with a lot of concepts that we've grown up with, it's hard to imagine that there are really men out there that are really unaware and whether it's intentional or not of the reality of like sexism, of like gender inequality, of like all of those things. And I think it was actually quite shocking for a lot of men. They were they were actually surprised. A lot I argue with with normal men about why I don't run at night. And they'll be like, well, why wouldn't you run at night? Blah, blah, blah. And they and they literally haven't thought about it. And I think that like it really shows you how generations of conditioning to be a certain way, whether that's like in masculinity or or the way that men are conditioned to be, it's like almost, I feel like it's almost trained in them to not be aware of anyone else, to not be like, have to be considerate to like, or empathetic. I feel like those are um, traits that are often conditioned into women to be like aware of other people and to be like helpful and useful and like how can I fit myself into a space or or be like um, accommodating to others and I don't think that in like masculinity that's something that men are taught to be they're meant to be assertive and like go forward and go forward in a way that maybe doesn't consider other people and I wonder if that's a big part of why they really struggle to acknowledge the i mean obviously there's an invested interest in not acknowledging the oppression of others because it upholds their um their privileges but yeah i think that there is a blank space that that a lot of men need to acknowledge and i will always encourage to be acknowledged because i don't think that it's always like men are evil and i hate them all as much as my tiktok or instagram reels may suggest <laughs> um I actually know that I have to exist alongside men my whole life, every day, everywhere I go. And I, I, I they are just, they're so much a part of the conversation for me. There has never been a, a, a thought in my head that like feminism is only for women. Like I need men to like get their shit together because they're the reason that like everything goes wrong <laughs> in general. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, I think, Men, and I mean, while I agree that, you know, we women are definitely conditioned to be more empathetic, I think anyone with any form of privilege, we're sort of indoctrinated into thinking that the systems around us are very one size fits all. So like whatever works for me should technically work for, Mm. you know, like for me as a white woman, like stuff that's you know, works for me. Like the fact that I can go up to a police officer and it won't be a problem. Technically we're sort of taught like, oh yeah, that's fine for a person of color. Mm. Obviously the, the reality is much more nuanced, but it's, you know, privilege kind of tells us that like everyone's in the same boat when that's not mm. the case. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But, I can see that too. Definitely. But yeah. Um, well, last thing I kind of want to touch on about this song that really stood out to me something in the video because there's a frame of you about in or it's like the section sort of I guess around verse two where your makeup seems to reference Mother Mary and Mm. that felt really interesting as like this contrast of like to a song called Play God and I was wondering if you could kind of speak on that concept a little bit well I I guess for me it was about like the contradiction of like the concept of the Virgin Mary or the idea of being like it's it's almost like what women are modeled on that you could never you could never be all of it because you're always going to be wrong you're always the the thing in society that is lacking or that is flawed and just the idea that you could like 
be the Virgin Mary who didn't have sex but had a baby. It's like the concept is, I mean, I'm probably, am I saying things wrong that to do with? No, so far you're good. But it's like that concept that is like, I feel like that dualism is so in, even today, how we see women, that in the, the concept of like abortion, the concept of like having sex and virginity and like how many sexual partners you can have. And the, the fact that it's like, it's always a paradox. It never adds up because there will always be a reason for you to be doing the wrong thing because that's how control exerts itself. If you're, if you're, if you can always be criticized, then you can always be put down. And I think that that kind of concept is is something that has come through generations and generations from a really long time. But I think obviously religion is a really big part of how how society weaponizes. Like I, I would instead, I would say society weaponizes religion in order to control women, and it's been used as a tool for a very long time. So I think referencing that is a big part of it like the virgin mary the idea of men playing god the idea of god being a man like the it, it all creates systems where authority is associated with maleness or you know like all of these things or like purity and like light and being like the virgin mary and being like beautiful and and untouched but also still doing what you're supposed to do as a woman which is have children and like it's just like the whole thing feels like a riddle which you're not supposed to figure out because then you might step into your power and <laughs> yeah it's like overwhelming even like considering it um but i think that's kind of where the reference came from yeah i mean that all makes perfect sense so yeah i feel like I, what i said just sounded really chaotic but it made sense in my head when i thought of it <laughs> it works don't worry and often even you know chaotic things do make sense because stuff is complicated and nuanced mm. Um, well, I really don't have anything to add to that. So I think, you know, you've really said it all. So we're going to hop on to the next song, which is Holiday from Reality, which is basically, you know, just the, the joy, quotation marks, of being an artist in that it's it's mm-hmm. hard. You know, you're really having to just drag yourself through a lot. I mean, it's, you know, being an artist is being in a competitive space. It's not being paid properly or being paid everything and there's no real in between um also kind of as a tangent but just because it feels very relevant have you seen the film tick tick boom i haven't what i wanted to watch it it's phenomenal felt, by the way yeah i need to i need to watch it but then it just felt really american and <laughs> was singing, and i was like oh i really want to watch it because the storyline feels very relevant it's but, literally um, a mirror to the fun. song but anyway, the reason that I bring it up is just because, like like I mentioned, it really, like, it really hits on a lot of the same themes that I'm seeing on this song, which are those questions of, like, you know, are these things ever all going to fall into place? Am I going to, you know, not be living, not so much paycheck to paycheck, but, you know, like you say on the song, living just to, or working just to eat, you know? Um, yeah, it's funny, I think. I've been having lots of conversations, I mean, I guess with different people in the creative industry, but also other artists about the journey of an artist, because I think to be an artist in general, you're probably quite a sensitive and like emotional and like very deep person because you write songs and you feel so much and you turn every small situation into like a really dramatic song. So <laughs> we're, we're dramatic people at the best of times. But I think something another friend said to me was kind of that you have to 
come to terms with the fact that you'll have like really up moments and really down moments and neither of those are reflective of your worth and I think when you are someone who's in the creative industry or a musician or any of those things you often like see your value in your best moments and then when things aren't when you're not in the spotlight you're not worth anything and I think like as a culture we it uh the industry cult cultivates that idea that you're either the best or you're the worst and I think you have to come to terms with how to acknowledge your own value before all of that so you know that regardless of your if you're in your album cycle and you're at the front and you're doing all your press and you're you're the hot thing or you're in your writing cycle and no one cares about you because someone else is releasing their album you're still valuable and you still have something to offer the world because your value exists outside of what you're doing and when you're doing it. Um, and I think um, Michaela Cole talked about that. Don't be afraid to like go into your silence and like do your own thing and, and be in the background because you don't always have to be performing to be valuable. And I think she showed that so well because she's such an incredible creative and she went away and came back and that's how she made something incredible because she needed that time away. Um, so I think Holiday from Reality was a song that I wrote before gaining that perspective. I think that, I mean, as every normal person, I yo-yo between feeling great or feeling terrible. Um, but I think Holiday was from a point where it was like, I was working all the time. I was in New York doing shows. I was in LA writing. I was some, I mean, this song for, um, this song that we're talking about, I was writing at that time in LA. And um, and then I was between London and it felt like I was doing everything I could to be recognized, but I still wasn't being recognized in the way that I wanted to be. And I was burnt out and I didn't have any ideas left. And the song kind of came out of me feeling like I needed a holiday from reality. Um, but also I'm doing it because I'm trying to get my dream right in the way that I see it rather than the, in the way that anybody else sees it, because I'm only gonna have longevity as an artist if I, bring my uniqueness to the world. If I do what anybody else is doing, then I'm, I might last for a minute, but I won't last because no one can offer what I can offer because there's only one of me in the world. Um, but I think that that can be hard to recognize sometimes in a world where like, we're taught to compare ourselves constantly, especially with like being an internet generation. So I think, yeah, the, the song is kind of about that, is about like knowing that you're worth something, knowing what you want to do, knowing where you need to go, but but fighting yourself constantly and being like, wait, do I have what it takes? Am I enough? Am I good enough? And and I think, especially before releasing my album, I I felt that it was like my it's my first album. It's all these songs that I've written and I'm putting my heart out there in a very raw way. Like, are people gonna like it? Is it good enough? Am I good enough? I think I definitely had all of those questions at that point in my life. And I've definitely had points where I wanted to just give up. And I, I thought that I didn't have anything special to offer the world. I remember saying that to my housemate. Like I thought I had something special to offer the world, but maybe I don't. And I think that was probably like my lowest point of being in this journey of like being an artist. And what I realized is that like, you're only an artist until you give up. Yeah, I could give up, but then I'm not an artist anymore. And that's just it, you know? Like the people who succeed or the people that have like lives that they enjoy, they just carry on going because they see the long-term goal and they trust in, in their process. Um, 
so yeah, I think that the song kind of is just the story of that. Yeah. I mean, again, like you, you, you say, I, I feel like I'm stumbling over my words here, but yeah, I, I have nothing to add. No, <laughs> no, it's was a, it was a dramatic. Was, a dramatic no, it's, it's true. No. Cause like, I mean, Hey, I'm, I'm, you know, with my podcast, with my career, I've been through the same sort of thing. Mm. So it's, it's all very true and very valid. You know, it's, it's a frustrating uphill climb that makes you question mm-hmm. yourself every five minutes. And yeah, but it, it sounds like you are creating a healthier outlook on it, which will serve you really well as you continue and move upwards. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And- yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's just, I think it's one of those things that you just have to have such insane self-belief. Yeah. Yeah. I and think that, it's the only it. thing that'll keep you going. Yeah you have to really love it if you want to do it like I think unless you're coming from a space where it's easy which isn't most people no. because of finance or because of connections or family or whatever um you have to really really want it because you know this world isn't built to serve most people you know it's only really built to serve a few so yeah I think it, there's an element of acknowledging things are going to be hard acknowledging things that you're going to have to be able to deal with a lot of pressure and instead of like complaining about it we'll just get on with it (laughs) I think that's that's it you have to just get on with it because no one's going to do it for you but you I think I come from quite an unsympathetic family (laughs) so I think I definitely get that from my mum oh my god complaining wasn't really a thing in my household (laughs) yeah got mouse to feed and (laughs) you know a whole other culture to assimilate into and all that stuff which is something we're going to discuss later on you already know which song but keep keep the suspense going (laughs) the listener well we're going to get into the next song now which is mother sister's girlfriend and we definitely already touched on a lot of themes with play god that have some Mm -hmm. overlap here like particularly what we were saying about like mother mary before and the sort of concept of like this impossible unattainable you know mm. version of ideal femininity or whatever and mm-hmm. that's again that's very much carried back into this song like my yeah. my note was that it's this idea that you know we're not we women are not just vessels for either literally in the physical sense of someone else's child but like also some man's self-betterment like we're not like the manic pixie dream girl as much as we're not the madonna or the whore or the whatever you know Mm. yeah it's it's literally all of those things it's kind of that idea that like our value is only relevant when we're talking about someone's daughter or someone's mom or someone's sister you know yes. on the conversations of feminism it's like what about if it was your daughter well who cares if it was your daughter or not I put that like, in my notes exactly yeah. yeah if it's your daughter or your aunt or your sister why don't you just see women as human beings I, I just find it so hilarious and coming back to that concept of like self-centeredness and that concept of like not being how able to have empathy for like a wider wider than your own circle it's like stop only seeing women in in their relation to others. We are our own people. Um, And I think also the first verse, that that opening line, like, hey, mama, won't you please forgive me? You don't want to be a woman who's sacrificing dreams. Um, 
I, I mean, it came from a very like personal conversation, but I think it also is about the difference in in generational feminism. Like I would say that my mum is very feminist. I got all of my like hardcore feminism from my mum, even though I don't think she would have ever called, I don't know about now, but she would have ever called herself a feminist, but she was a single parent. She did everything herself. Like she, it, it was, her energy was just always like, I don't need anyone else to help me. I'll just get it done. And I definitely have that kind of energy sometimes to my detriment. <laughs> but I think that it's like, we would, even though I learned so much of like my independence and my strength from her or from the way that she brought me up, even unintentionally, um, we still clashed on a lot of topics. Um, that I guess is is kind of natural when when like talking to your parents about things. Um, and so I think it, it's also about that, that intergenerational feminist discussion, which is so different when you're at different points in your life and, and what's relevant to a 50 year old woman is gonna be different to someone who's 19 or 20 or 25. Um, so yeah, there's a lot in it, but I think it, yeah, it's just about women having autonomy over, over what they do and how they do it. Um, and also just, I guess, me wanting a different path for myself than what I had seen around me. Um, yeah, I think it was, I think it, the, the song is quite personal. I think when I was young, it was like, I wanted to be a single parent because my mum was, and I liked it because it was what I knew, I guess. But then as I got older and reflected on how difficult that situation would have been for her. My life is just different. I, I, I have different things that I want in my life that don't equate to making those kind of decisions. And I'm very ambitious and I'm very work driven. And I think sometimes people in my life or my family find that difficult how, um, yeah, career focused I am but I think that is also representative of my generation a bit more, that our focus is in a different place. And I think my dad also finds that difficult. Like my focus is just not on those kind of things at all. And that doesn't make sense to some people. Yeah, no, I was actually having a very similar conversation to this um, yesterday with some friends, some other women in the industry. And yeah, it's, it is that it's this sort of, generational disconnect it can also sometimes be a culture generational disconnect too you know like mm -hmm. I said like my family is of Italian descent and we have some of that built in and I mean there's a lot of cultures that you know are very mm -hmm. family oriented and so I think any say, traditional culture you know oh my god yeah any um so yeah that. it's and yeah like you said our generation's different but at the end of the day it's it's just about women having the choice. Like, if you want to be a mom, as long as it's your decision, that's great and awesome. If you want to be career-driven, that's great, too. Like, it's just really about, like you said, us having agency and autonomy rather than our lives being defined in relation to, to particularly like what men in our lives want for us. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think it's very much about that. I don't want that song to feel like it's like I'm against women who choose that kind of more traditional path like some women really want to do that and that's great 
but that's just not what I want to do. And it shouldn't be an issue that it's not what I want to do. I shouldn't be feeling like pushback for just existing in the world in the way that I want to. Yeah. And I don't think it comes across that way. Like I said, for me, it the biggest thing that stood out was that concept of, again, us being more than just our our relations to men. It's, mm-hmm. you know, no matter which path you choose, you are still a complex human being and mm. you deserve to have that fact acknowledged. You know, that's mm. it. And yeah. Definitely. Well, on that note, um, I think we're going to actually you know what before I jump into the next song, I was really curious. Where did you record the interlude um, that comes after Mother, Sisters, Girlfriends? In my studio at home. Really? Because it, it just sounded like an iPhone recording. And I was curious, like, I could almost imagine you, like, walking down the road and having this, like, moment of self-reflection. No, we, we made, like, we made, I made it, like, coming out of, like, it, I wanted it to kind of sound like you were, like, coming out of a club. And then you were, like, mm. walking into a car and then you were listening on the radio. We, like, totally constructed it. But <laughs> Okay, cool. So I, there was, like, a part of me that could, like... That like... <laughs> yeah, you should totally lie and be like, yeah, I was, like, on the bus one night. And, yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> some guy in the back looking at me weird as I'm having this, like, whole philo- philosophical, like, thought to myself recording it. But, no, I mean, well, there you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, because that's when the radio goes and then I say you want to be, like... No, I think I was just... Tr- I really wanted to tie in the, the themes of the album like between the songs and give context to the songs and stuff. And I, and like, I love so much to talk about like political or like social issues. I really wanted to bring that into the album because you can't say everything you want to say in with lyrics. Um, And so I I think those kind of like spoken bits are are just for me bringing context to to the project. It almost feels like you're just building in the liner notes which is kind of mm. cool. All right, well, we're getting into <laughs> demons now, um, which, I mean, obviously, you know, it's a song about mental health and, you know, the fact that we all, you know, have our our lived experiences, our traumas, our, you know, our own mm. issues that we struggle with. But I particularly found it interesting having the song at the center of a record that does with a lot of external issues of the world mm-hmm. because, you know, those two things can be very symbiotic. It's like you know, being, whether you're an activist or it's just someone witnessing the world around you, it can be very taxing. And mm. so having compassion for people as they're trying to figure all of this out and process it is important. Yeah. I mean, I, for me, that song came out of the perspective you gain when you realize, when you have empathy for others. I think it's like at that time I'd be dealing with my own mental health stuff and see it was like I noticed in someone else their fragility and it kind of shocked me because I thought I was the fragile one but I think it's it's also about masculinity it's I think men are so well trained to hide their emotions that whatever those emotions are you just it's an impenetrable case because to to be emotional is is to to be kind of feminized or like to be weak or, or to um, not be logical or whatever it is. But actually I realized that everybody has emotions. They just show them in different ways. And I think we're just gendered to show them in different ways. And it really showed me that like, yeah, we all have demons. We all have stuff that we're going through and that, and we are all equally affected by a world that oppresses us in different ways. Even a world that affords privileges to some 
those privileges might also be weaved with oppression because you know it's still oppressive to not be able to express your emotions properly you know to not have cried in three or five years which some people say like because they just have been trained their whole life to not show how they feel and like what impact does that have on you as a person but also as the other people that you on the other people you have in your life like you it's just like it's like a um a snowball effect of like the demons that you have also then might become the demons of somebody else because if you can't express your emotions and you can't communicate in a way that is like normal then you might take that out on other people and and then like become the reason that that person's oppressed so it's like a it's a system that i just think affects us all in different and varying ways but in kind of equally important and i think that demons kind of reflects on that the way that society for everyone in different ways is oppressive and is overwhelming and is like you know you can have all the money in the world but you still may experience all of the like pressures of your your individual world you know what i mean Absolutely. um and it's about yeah having compassion and having empathy for everyone in their own situations because i don't think we'll ever get anywhere by I don't know, just reducing people to like who they are and where they are. Like if you're not able to have conversations and, and see people at their level and see that, you know, what's affecting them is important to them because it's happening in their world, even if it might be relatively different to someone else's oppression, then I don't know how much we can change as a culture. Um, so yeah, I think it's kind of about that. Yeah. Well, I'm going to pull something that you said there about particularly how one person's demons can become another person's demons, because it feels oddly correct for the song that comes next, which is all for you, because, Mm -hmm. you know, it's I mean, it's about a toxic relationship. It's about, you know, bending over backwards to, you know, make yourself what this other person wants, but just getting nothing back. And I don't know, it just sounds like maybe someone who has their own horrible way of communicating and because of that is harming the person who's just trying to get love from them. Yeah, it's funny that you say that. It's one of my favorite songs on the album. It's like a little interlude, but um, because it's not about another person, it's about my relationship with society. It's Mm. it's exactly what you said, but feeling like I'm doing everything to be acknowledged. I'm being everything you want me to be. I'm doing it the way that you want to be. I'm being the woman you want me to be. I'm performing in the way that you want me to be. Why am I still not enough? And I think what I realized was that, you know, if you value yourself on what other people want, you won't ever be enough because it just doesn't work like that. And I love that song a lot because of the different place I'm in now and the change I've made to not do it all for you. Actually, I'm going to do it because I want to do it and make choices because they're right for me. And the way my mindset changed when I decided to do that, when I stopped kind of living in service to others or always kind of living in a way that was like, to be good enough for other people who didn't even care (laughs) whether I would, it was all in my head. Then my life changed a lot and I made better choices and I've had better people around me and um, my career changed. Everything had changed when I decided not to um yeah like live in like 
in fear of not be doing it right or not being the right person for people or not being what other people wanted. And I think that it's just something that I had always, I don't know, I'd always, I've always been a people pleaser. I have to try really hard to not say yes or to not do what other people want me to because that's something that I guess is been, um, what's the word, ingrained in me from childhood. But yeah, when I when I made that change, I really stepped into my power more. Yeah, no, that's that's a huge, huge thing. I mean, been there, done that, because I'm a people pleaser by nature as well. So I very much understand that. It's interesting now that the next song, in comparison to a song where I'm like, I'm doing everything, the next mm-hmm. one's quite nihilistic, ironically. So even though the two have nothing to do with each other, it's kind of funny that it's like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, despite the fact that Fall Together is sort of nihilistic, it's the sort of like, fuck it, like, maybe the world's going to go to shit. So let's all just, you know, vibe yeah. while we're, while <laughs> everything's on fire. I'm glad that the, the lyrics came through. In, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what the song's about. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I did... It was also in my notes that I was given, so they I kind of got tipped off early, which is helpful. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, I maybe just out of my own, like, self-preservation or something, but I found, I found an odd amount of hope in it, too. Because even though there is, again, that sense of, like, again, fuck it, like, let's just let the world burn and, I don't know, have mm-hmm. a beer or a spliff or whatever while we just wait for shit to happen. Um, <laughs> yeah. At the same time, I I tell activist friends this a lot, you know, you have to find moments of joy, otherwise what are you fighting for? Mm. So even though this is, again, more the, like, why not just do nothing, in a sense, even for people who are activists, you kind of have to find those moments, too, where you put things to the side for a moment. Because if not, if everything's just bleak all the time, you, again, what what is the thing that you are fighting to make better if joy isn't at the center of your life too? That's the thing. I think when you are fighting for any kind of social change and when you're in the middle of it, it can feel one, overwhelming because you'll never see that change happen right there and then. But you have to acknowledge that like you're a part of something that you might not ever see yourself but that doesn't mean you haven't done something that is going to change the lives of people in the future. And I think sometimes when you're in the middle of like doing things or protesting or like trying your best to change something, it can be really like overwhelming and like saddening because you're like, this just does, this feels like too big a a thing to, to um, create an effect in. It feels like too big a journey, but you have to acknowledge that, you know, you're just a part of it and you have to take yourself out of that. And um, I think that's part of it. Fall Together definitely was was about like, you know, the moments where nothing matters, which is often when you're in love, you know, when like mm, yeah. you can feel anxious all the time. But if you're like just like watching a film with someone that you that you care about or like you, you can escape, the world doesn't matter because your world with that person is the only thing. It's kind of that Romeo and Juliet thing. Like, <laughs> let's like take the pill and then like, let's just die together. It, it was very, as I said, I'm very dramatic. I love it, I love it though. <laughs> I don't even think I was thinking of a person when I wrote it, but it, it like, it's just that feeling of like, you know what, this is just too hard. Like, this is just, I can't do this much more. So let's just like, let's just like get in a car and drive somewhere. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> and forget everything. And I think the album needed an element of that because that's an element of who I am. That yeah. like, yeah, I care about a lot of things, but I think when you're someone who cares about a lot of things, it can also feel quite crippling. Yeah. You know, I sometimes I wish I wasn't such an empath because caring about like so much stuff all the time can often feel like you're never doing enough. Absolutely. Um, I feel like that's kind of, I know I've definitely been in a period where I'm more lax about being outspoken. And in some ways that's, you know, I'm like, okay, there's certain things I should probably be talking about more. But in other ways, yeah, like compassion fatigue is a real thing. And also if you, you know, try and tackle everything, you're not going to accomplish anything. And mm-hmm. and also if you don't give yourself rest, you're not going to accomplish anything. So, yeah. You can't, you just can't do everything. And, and I think especially if you're an artist, like in a public space you're never going to do everything right and no. people are always going to criticize you and you have to become comfortable with that I think I struggle with that a lot when I first started getting critiques or trolls or people saying stuff to me and it's like it would ruin my day and now I wrote a, a pro-abortion song I get about a million trolls a day oh, <laughs> so <dear God. laughs> I'm very much used to that now and I just realized that like people are always going to have an issue with what you do regardless of what you do or how you do it so just like you know where your intention is, you know what you want to say and what you want to do. There'll be many things that get lost in translation in that process. But as long as you lead with your intention and, and purpose with what you do, then like that's all you can do in life. Yeah. I can't be like Mother Teresa. You know, I think it is also that. I think women are much more like up for criticism than men anyway. So I could never be perfect. So fuck it all. Like whatever. I don't there care. There you go. I'm going to well, just do what I'm going to do and here's what it is. Here's your pro-abortion song. It's there. Take it. <laughs> I'm not anymore. It's like, we're not just again. kicking the hornet's nest. We are jumping on it. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, well, on that note, I, I kind of actually want to pair the next two songs together because in a sense, they're sort of the same message, but with a different target. You know, mm. whereas Land of the Free is obviously criticizing America, Lennon's Burning is criticizing England, and both for very similar themes, you know? Mm. Like, but totally. I mean, both countries, you know, while they manifest differently, both countries have issues of oppression and white supremacy and anti immigration policy and homophobia. Like, as much as it may seem more overt in the States a lot of the time, like. I, mean, I think also America is just a bigger place. So yeah. there's more room for it to feel like in your face um yeah but yeah, we also we say it in your face we're a lot less subtle about it <laughs> exactly yeah but like it, exactly what you said all of those issues are reflected in different ways in both cultures and yeah both of those songs are, are critiquing war and capitalism and the hypocrisy and and the way that like narratives are weaved in order to control populations and society and and in order to um push certain agendas which often are based around oppression um often are based around like squashing equality instead of getting us to a place where we're more equal um so yeah i think london's burning was about brexit and um the way that britain just fails to acknowledge the impact that like people of color immigrants like oppressed people have literally built the country and then we build a um a referendum or whatever around literally around like blocking 
those people from from contribute like it's just the whole thing is just dumb i mean it's 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 happened and, it, and it's in the past i don't even feel like i want to re revisit it but it just felt at the time like such a um divisive and an overwhelming situation to be in and i saw even around with my family the way in which like those systems of a control and the media w was controlling the way that just everyday people saw other people around them and would then adopt perspectives that they would never have adopted before mm -hmm. because of the way that they were being manipulated by the media and and yeah i i think it's scary the direction that culture is moving in and i think both of those songs reflect that fear but also that passion to like to not let that happen um, and mm -hmm. to still always fight against it and to still protest against it and to still like advocate for the people who are going to be oppressed by those um, agendas. Yeah. Well, kind of on the, the end note, if you will, which is the power we share, I guess, you know, I was just kind of curious of the meaning of, of that ending sentence of the record, if you can speak on it. Yeah, I mean... What is it? Treat me kind, treat me fair, treat me like this power you might share. I think it's a, a conversation with men. For me, it's like, you don't have to share your power because you have it. But like, at least act like you're going to share it. I think that's what, <laughs> like, it's like, don't pretend you don't know the power that you have and the way that you kind of can breeze through life in a way that I just can't. So don't be arrogant with it. I think, I don't know, <laughs> I've never actually had to explain this. So I think I'm, I'm working it out as I'm saying it. I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah, but um, I guess it's like, yeah, like when we're interacting, you have all of this power already. So don't be cocky because you already have all the power. So at least like, I don't know. Uh, it's really hard to explain. Um, I feel really like in what explain. you're saying, I'm I'm kind of starting to get it though. Like you're you're explaining it better than I think you think you are. I don't think I'm explaining it well at all. Um, treat me kind. Treat me fair. Treat me like this power you might share. Um, yeah, I think it, it's a it, it's an acknowledgement of those that hold power in society, and. And also like an acknowledgement of like, I know, you know, even though you don't want to say it. I think that's what it is. Yeah. So like, treat me with kindness, treat me like, because we both know that you have access to more things. You have access to more safety. Like you have access to better career choices in a faster route. Like there are so many things that make life easier for you. So at least afford me kindness while I'm literally trying to exist. I think that's what I'm saying. Something yeah. like that. <laughs> the Power in Us is available now wherever you normally get your music. This podcast is hosted, edited, and produced by myself, Sophia Lobercaro, and the artwork is by Meg Wilford. <laughs>